And it turned out that I'm a very natural yoga teacher because I live it. Like I had already been doing it for a bunch of years by the time I became a teacher and it changed my life. I mean, yoga changed my life. It was such a life changer for me. It softened my edges. It helped me become really more of who I truly am. And I really think it does that. It allows us to fully express and to really to listen deeply and get in touch with who we are, what we want, and express more fully. Welcome back to Blissfully Bloom. I'm Victoria LeBlanc, your host, and this podcast was created to empower women to love themselves unconditionally, transform their mindsets, and discover their own inner bliss. This episode is all around yoga as a self-love ritual and morning and evening rituals. I'm so excited to bring on a guest on the show today. Her name is Tracy Sage. And I was really excited to speak with her about this topic because yoga has been a tool in my life, a practice in my life that has been so life-changing. It helps me connect with myself and go inward and really come back to that remembrance and truth that I am enough as I am. And So before I step on the mat, I can be feeling loads of anxiety, disconnected, maybe a bit of frustration or overwhelm, but every single time I, it could just be as simple as 10 or 15 minutes, I step out feeling better, feeling more empowered, feeling more connected to who I truly am and ready to step into my authentic power. So I'm really excited to dive into this topic today, and I want to just give a quick little shout out and introduction to our guest today, who is Tracy Sage. Just really grateful to have met Tracy. I feel like our souls are so aligned and we vibe so well. We even hopped on a call before doing the interview, and I could just tell our frequencies were so in sync and... I don't know. She's just such a bright and light soul and and I really do appreciate her work. She is a international yoga teacher, love catalyst and relationship coach who has been teaching, coaching and leading retreats in beautiful places for over 25 years. Tracy shares her enthusiasm for life in practical and playful ways to inspire our deep listening and unfolding while teaching powerful practices that create loving connection with ourselves and each other. She is the author of The Missing Manual to Love, Marriage, and Intimacy, and I will make sure to leave the link in the show notes so that you can go ahead and get a copy of her book. She will also be leading a retreat this fall and I'll be leaving the and I will also be leaving information to her fall retreat. Thank you so much Tracy for coming on the show and I enjoyed our conversation and really connecting with you and getting to learn more about your story. Yeah, I appreciate you and I'm so grateful for you. 
I can't wait for y'all to listen to this conversation, but before we dive into the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Blissfully Bloom. I'm very excited to have a guest with me here on the show today. Her name is Tracy Sage, and today we're talking all about rituals and self-love as a ritual, as well as including and interweaving yoga as a practice. So I want to welcome Tracy with me here today. Welcome, Tracy. Aw, thank you, Victoria. It's so lovely to be here with you. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I'm honored to have you here and to really listen to your inner wisdom. Now, the first question I ask all of my guests, what is one powerful lesson you have learned that has changed your life? I would say not to take anything personally. Yeah. I have a I have a mantra and the mantra is love myself no matter what anyone else says or does. So, yeah, I love myself no matter what anyone else says or does. So, it's yeah. Very empowering and an important reminder to remember. So, thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I would love to know how your journey of becoming a yoga instructor really started about, how you began to step into this role of being a yoga instructor. It was kind of a long journey, really. I started yoga when I was in college. I was a dance math major, and I had a, a knee injury, and my knee was locked, and, and they wanted to do surgery. I, I went to school in upstate New York. And so I went to a specialist in New York City for dancers and they wanted to do surgery and I didn't want to do that. So one of my classmates, fellow student, told me that he was going to teach a yoga class and that it could help my knee. So I took his yoga class and it was like eight classes and it was wonderful. And it was the beginning of, you know, I, I, I learned through the classes that it was much more than just a physical practice. Anyway, so it became my personal practice. I started practicing then and just kept going. I've been practicing ever since. And I knew when I took that class from him, I knew that I wanted to become a yoga teacher too. And not necessarily to teach, but I wanted to take the training that he'd taken. Like I wanted to dive in deeply about, I think it was, I don't know how long later, maybe it was 11 years later, I went and took that training. And so, um, yeah, so he had trained at Kripalu and I became a Kripalu yoga teacher in 1996. So that's when I went and became a teacher. Oh, that's the year I was born. Really? That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I became... The year you were born, I became a yoga teacher. <laughs> That's amazing. That's incredible. So did you, it sounds to me like you found purpose through your pain. You really didn't allow pain to stop you and, and keep you in a low vibrational state and feeling frustrated. You really took it upon yourself to try different things and gave yoga a shot and really opened your heart to receive it's beautiful and magical benefits. So I really love that story. Well, and I love your awareness around that, 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 that piece about, you know, I would say that's definitely a theme in my life is that I don't let the little things or big things stop me. 
You know, I, I very much am about like, like, what can I learn from this? And what solutions are there for me? You know, so I, I really create what it is that I want to create in life. And so I do that in every area of my life. And definitely on the physical level, don't let physical things stop me. So definitely, I would say that's, that's so true. And what I, why I became a yoga teacher or why I started teaching, like when I became a yoga teacher, I was more doing it to take a deeper dive. And it turned out that I'm a very natural yoga teacher because I live it. Like I had already been doing it for a bunch of years by the time I became a teacher and it changed my life. I mean, yoga changed my life. It was such a life changer for me. It softened my edges. It helped me become really more of who I truly am. And I really think it does that. It allows us to fully express and to really to listen deeply and get in touch with who we are, what we want, and express more fully. So I wanted to share it with everyone. I just, it was, it's, it was such a blessing in my life. I absolutely wanted to share it. So that's, that's how I became a teacher really was just that I wanted to share it so much. And, and I still do. To me, it's a foundational practice of my love and relationship coaching work. I mean, you know, it's like, it's a foundational practice of life to me. So, yeah. It's not just about the physical aspect and going through the motions, going through those poses, there is something really deeper in it that I guess it's hard to explain unless you actually experience it for yourself on the mat and then take in those, that mindset that you have on the mat that you've developed on the mat off it as well. We had talked earlier about, you know, yoga on and off the mat. And to me, it, to me, it's all yoga. Like, and my definition of yoga is cultivating awareness with breath and loving kindness. So if we approach anything that we approach from that place of cultivating awareness with breath and loving kindness is yoga. Uh, so it can be a yoga practice. It doesn't necessarily have to be the actual poses. Um, yeah. You could also think of in life, the different poses that we hold in life. You know, so like right now we're holding the pose of sharing on this podcast, right? So that's our pose, right? And so if we do that from a place of awareness and keep breathing and do it with kindness, loving kindness towards ourselves and each other and those who are listening, to me, that's yoga. Wow. Wow. I never thought of it in that way. So I'm glad that you're sharing and really shining a light on that aspect as well. And I am wanting to do my certification in Bali eventually. So I guess that'll be more deeper knowledge that I'll learn there that I just have no clue about right now. And I'm just, I'm excited to learn. I know there's so much more wisdom and knowledge out there around this practice. The learning um, is so much in the doing of it, in the practicing it's the practicing. Yeah. I, I, I say it's a practice, not a perfect, right? So it's about the practice. And in the practice, we come to that deep listening place where we actually, that's how we learn. We learn through practicing more than through, you know, the intellectual study of yoga. We learn it through mm -hmm. our bodies because our bodies never lie. Our bodies tell us so much more. And if we're in that deep listening place, we will learn 
so much more. So, so much of what I've learned and so much that comes through me comes through my body and my being, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So having a daily practice and my morning rituals, like that's where things, my inspiration comes from and that's where my guidance comes from. And, you know, when you practice yoga, you start to tune in to your inner wisdom and guidance. And mm-hmm. so then you can let that lead you through life, which is how I live. You know, I, I let my inner wisdom and guidance and my inner wisdom and guidance brought me to you. It's like, oh, I want to connect with this woman, right? So <laughs> yes. um, that's, that's, that's how I flow with it. And so it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a, a, an intellectual thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of it more coming back in alignment with your soul and with your soul's truth. Yeah. So if somebody is out there and they might be wondering what this yoga thing is all about and they've never really given it a, a chance yet, what would you recommend for a beginner who wants to start this journey but really doesn't know where to start? I would recommend that they look into, they explore different types of yoga and try a bunch of different types of yoga and see what it is that inspires them and resonates with them. There's many kinds of yoga and you'll discover different things doing different kinds of yoga. My leaning is towards a deeper practice. So a practice that is going to be that has those elements cultivating awareness with breath and loving kindness. There are some things out there that people call yoga that I wouldn't call yoga that are more they, you know, they have the poses, but they're, they don't have the consciousness. And so I recommend that if you really want to get a flavor of yoga, look for teachers that are talking about yoga on and off the mat or are talking about how the inner growth process, like the inner journey, the inner growth, self-discovery, talking about things like that. And you'll find a teacher who's going to take, going to give you the you know, the true experience of yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Not just taking into account, oh, the studio looks pretty. I like the name of it. (laughs) Actually actually doing a bit of research and, you know, whenever I look at different studios, they'll have the instructor's little story. And if you feel maybe aligned or you resonate with their story, then maybe go ahead and try out a free class if they offer it for your first time or just kind of go into the studio and meet them and say that you're interested in potentially joining and really having that conversation. Yeah. It's so funny because I was about to say the same exact thing is that when, when you go to the studio, I look at the instructors, like if I'm attracted to a class or a class fits in your schedule or whatever. And when I'm, I actually will recommend classes and teachers for my clients, my coaching mm-hmm. clients, because I think it's a, it's a solid foundation for, you know, deep inner growth work. And I, that's what I do with people and relationships. It's a solid foundation for relationships. So I highly recommend that my students, my clients do yoga. And so a lot mm-hmm. of my clients are international. So, so they are not necessarily near me and I have them do yoga and I, I'll do research where they are to find a good yoga teacher for them. So I look for those descriptions, the teacher descriptions. And I read those and that's how I find Mm -hmm. the appropriate yoga teachers for my clients. 
So wow. yeah, I highly recommend that. Look at the look at the descriptions and see what they're saying and see, you know, they will tell you what they're they're about. The physical aspects are important too. I, I like I focus a lot on alignment. So the physical mm-hmm. alignment and what the way I think of it is like whatever you're doing physically is also what you're doing on a deeper level. So you're coming into alignment with yourself. You know, and all the little nuances of alignment to me are related to different aspects of our lives, right? And just different aspects of ourselves. You know, I connect all those dots. Wow. Could you elaborate more on that, of how that alignment intertwines and interweaves with our just different aspects of our lives? Mm-hmm. Sure. So I'll start with the feet. So if I'm teaching a class, I would teach start with a solid foundation. So whatever part of you is touching. So if you're standing, your feet are touching the ground. Um, If you're Mm -hmm. on all fours, your, your, your feet, your knees and your hands are touching the ground. So wherever you're touching the ground, this is your foundation. When I'm doing my retreat, so I've got a retreat coming up. It's called yoga for the joy of it. And we will start with these foundational practices. So we, I always start with foundation. That's the first day we're going to get a solid foundation. We'll look at like the alignment of the feet, the alignment of the hands, you know, whatever's touching the ground, we'll check and we'll really focus on that alignment. And then you come up the body and it's like, you want your knees also to be aligned with your feet. And so we'll talk about that. And then we get to the hips and we'll talk about hip alignment and pelvis alignment, the hips and pelvis. I talk about that as being the place of expression, of expressing yourself. It's also a place where we hold a lot of emotional stuff gets held in our pelvis. And so I work with a lot of, yeah, expression, you know, expressing what needs to be expressed. So we, we work there. And then we, we come up a little higher and we get into your belly button region and your lower back. And I talk about resting into the support that's there for you, right? And we come up a little higher and we come into the heart. And I talk about opening the heart. It, it's an, a, a really deeply heart opening practice. And so by the end of the week, people are aligned with themselves. So they feel solid and confident. You know, there's this sense of feeling supported and also feeling open hearted and more safe being vulnerable, right? There's all these different things. And then the throat chakra, of course, you know, opening your throat. And then I talk about the shoulders up and back to open your heart. And then I talk about antenna, having antennas. If you have antenna at the top, or you could think of them as horns, whatever you want to think of, you know, like antlers or whatever. I call these antenna. This is, this is, you know, tapping in to your inner wisdom and intuition. So I have you kind of reach those up and out to really tune it, right? animals or insects with antenna, you know, they're, they're tuning in, they're sensing, right? They're sensing. And so I, I I think of this as your place of intuition. Wow. And that just reminds me too, whenever I do hop on the mat and I'll, I'll notice that some areas of my body are more tense than others. And until they, the yoga instructor says, Hey, okay, like let's loosen up here a bit. I don't notice it until they actually say, say something. So and I think it takes a lot of practice to have that initial awareness before it's even said or mentioned to really just let go of that tension and allow yourself to be that, that free flowing practice that you intended to have or 
open up your heart a bit more too. And instead of being like all closed off during your practice. That's the awareness piece that you're talking Mm -hmm. about. So it's becoming aware of what's going on in your body. You're tuning in. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you notice that, you know, I'm using these muscles that I don't need to be using right now, or I'm tensing these muscles that I don't need to be tensing right now, right? That's that's where the awareness comes in. And the more you practice, the more aware you become. My massage therapist, is. uh, she says she loves working on my body because I actually start the, the session relaxed. She said, most people are not relaxed when they come onto the table, but I can relax <laughs> all the different parts of my body because I have wow. that awareness. And so she, you know, yeah. she says it's phenomenal, you know, so she loves it because then we can do really deep work with whatever's going on, whatever else is going on mm. in my body because my baseline is already relaxed. So uh, you probably just melt into that table. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so before talking about your rituals, I would love to know how self-love and yoga are intertwined and how they really connect with one another. I would say that, I mean, to me, yoga is a self-love practice. You know, a lot of people talk about, you know, having to have discipline and I'm like, yoga is a practice of giving yourself your own loving attention, right? That's how I lead it. And I leave a, lead a centering. I call it the waterfall of love centering. It's really that you're bringing. And so you want to start your practice by just tuning in and giving yourself your own loving attention. That's what the whole practice It's a deep listening practice to really get in touch with. Like, you know, I start the day that way and it's how I check in with myself. It's like, how am I feeling today? And what am I wanting today? And what is my body asking for? And, you know, so much comes through in that practice, right? So it's really giving, and it's giving myself my own attention. So I start the day with good attention, you know, so I'm not starting the day needing something. I'm starting the day already having received a whole bunch of love, right? And attention. Then I can radiate that out into the world because I'm already filled with joy and love and peace, right? And so that's what how I would say that it's a self-love practice. And it contributes to everything else when I set my intention for the day. Or if I know I have a big day ahead, that's when I give myself the juju to uh, accomplish that day. What I'm hearing is we are our own waterfall of love. And just we can ripple that into ourselves and then flood it out and inspire other people to be to be loving and compassionate and nourishing towards themselves. Yeah. And and something else that I thought of too is when you are practicing, it's like all the distractions that you may have defaulted into looking at, let's say it's your phone or your computer or TV, it's really not there. And and it really is deciding to just be with yourself without any anything else there to distract you. So it really is, allows you to be more, as you said, be more of that listener to your own body, to your own mind, to your own soul, and be that observer of, what, of what's going on and what's occurring for you. Yeah, I yeah. love that you highlighted that because, you know, right now in 
our world, we are so connected with all our digital devices. What it's doing is it's, it's, it's really creating a culture of people who are looking outside of themselves for answers and looking outside of themselves for attention and looking outside of themselves for validation. If, if we start our day, I mean, I actually, when I, on my retreats, I, I tell people, you do not need to be awake. Just, you, you don't, you don't even need to take off your pajamas. You can come to class in your pajamas if you want to. I just want you to roll out of bed and come to yoga. Right. And that's what I'll do is just roll out of bed and get onto my mat. Right. Cause that's where you're actually going to get the real answers, you know, and that's where you're going to get your real inspiration. That's where you're going to tune in to, to the wisdom and guidance and resources that are within. Right. And it's far more powerful. Yeah. Listening to our bodies and listening to our spirit first thing in the morning, right before touching any devices and opening up anything Oh, it's, uh, it's, it will change your life. Okay. So one more question about yoga. So if somebody were to want to become a yoga instructor and they may feel just overwhelmed by how many certification courses there, there are worldwide and in their country that they reside, what do you suggest for them to do so that they can feel like whatever they choose is right. And they just have this deep inner knowing within their heart that they're like, okay, I'm meant to take this course. Totally. And, and you nailed it. I, I, I really think it's that, that deep inner knowing to do the research from a place of listening to the energetics, you know, what resonates with you, you know, finding a teacher I actually recommend doing something with a teacher. And if you love their style of yoga, they'll be your teacher trainer, right? So yeah, it's, it's really finding the teacher. So we used to have a, a, a culture where we would train with a mentor and strive towards mastery of something. Like, and we would, we would actually do mentorships and or apprenticeships, right? That used to be the way that we learned things. Now everyone's wanting, you know, instant. And instant isn't the way to go. And especially with yoga, like a weekend certification, I don't know what that would be. And I wouldn't trust that. I'm like, immerse yourself, immerse yourself, right? Go for the deep dive. If you want to be a yoga instructor, you want to embody it first. I mean, anything that I'm going to teach or coach or whatever is something that I'm already embodying, right? I'm already living it, right? Yeah. 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 So I lived yoga like deeply for 11 years. I think it was maybe more. When did I start? Anyway, I lived it deeply before I became a yoga teacher. So I really, I really lived it. And so by the time I took my teacher training, it was the most natural thing I could do to teach because I already embodied it. And so I, I think that the key is to look for a training that will help you do that, help you embody it and go through the training as not so much as like, how am I going to teach this to someone else as much as 
how am I going to live this myself? Like, how can I take this? A, a yoga teacher training will grow you, right? And so you'll grow into being a teacher. So, yeah. And and some sometimes the best way to learn is to actually be teaching. So I, I love that as part of the thing is like, you know, as soon as you try to teach some, if you learn how to make a recipe or something and then, and then you teach it to someone else in the process, you learn it better. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's what I would look for. And I would look for something that you really resonate with. And I think that's the most important thing that, that you resonate with the teachings or the, and the energy of the teachers and so on. So, yeah. Mm. I think even during that process, you'll practice listening to your intuition. That is just one little decision that you can really connect with that part of yourself for sure. So even if, even through the beginning of the process, you're really opening up and channeling more and being more in tune with yourself and with others. So I would love for you to dive into your rituals, whether that be you can dive into morning right now or evening or a mix of both. Could you share with the listeners how you start your day off? feeling so grounded, so centered, so in tune with yourself. And yeah, just kind of go go and dive into your rituals. Great. So one of the things I would say, so I'll start with morning rituals. So morning rituals, I get up and I, I start my day in silence. And so I'm in a listening practice right away. I'm in silence. I'm listening. And so I may do centering uh, or a meditation or some pranayam, you know, some breathing practices to get started. And so I just start with that silence and then move into a yoga practice and, and really listening into my body of like, what yoga do I need? And I also want to say that a morning ritual doesn't have to be long. You know, there were periods in my life where my, my morning ritual was anywhere from 45 minutes to three hours. You know, when I have that flexibility, I can, you know, I can really spend the day. But if you don't have much time, which right, right now my yoga practice is 15 minutes to 45 minutes. So what I say is you can create it like even five minutes on the mat in the morning is going to be better than not. So just taking that time to listen in, even if it's a short period of time, just where you're starting your day in this way. So, so to me, that's what's important. So just taking that time. So yeah, so we talked about deep listening. So meditation, you know, those kinds of things are deep listening. My yoga practice is a deep listening practice. So definitely going for those practices um, so that I can tune into, I'll do a body scan and check in with my body. That's part of the, my waterfall of love centering is, is a body check-in and check in with my emotions, checking in physically, emotionally, and energetically, basically. I have what I call my mantras. And so my mantras are, and this is something that I give to my clients that I work with and my students is they're the things that I tell myself that are shifting the things that I want to shift in my life. So I have, you know, these, it's like positive self-talk or affirmations, right. That I have created that are specific to me. And I work with different, I change them according to what I'm needing right now. I have, you know, about 12 or 13 of them. And I actually have them in the reminders in my phone so that they pop up throughout the day. 
Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, so whenever one pops up, then I do it then. I also sit down and do all of those mantras first thing in the morning. I just sit down and I go through my mantras and affirm powering things that I want to affirm. So let me give you an example of a mantra that I might use. I'll give you a money one. So money flows freely and easily to me from everywhere. Right. So that's a mantra. And I learned that one. I want to give credit to, to where I, I got that one. That I got that from a woman whose name is Sonia Ricotta. Ricotta or Ricotti. Anyway, she she you know that was one of hers and I was like, Oh, that's good. You know, having grown up in poverty, that changing my money my money talk and my money thoughts it has been a very important thing to me. So that's one that I've had for a long time now. And I just keep it to keep me from going back to the default. Right. And yeah, so, so yeah. that's an example of one of my, but you know, anything that you're working on, whether it's, you know, your physical health or your choices around something, whatever it is, creating mantras. The other thing I do uh, often is inner child nurturing practices. So really being, present and I give those to my clients a lot. I do a lot of inner child work. And so inner child healing is really important. These are the practices that I did when I was healing from my dysfunctional, abusive childhood. I moved out at 15 and I started doing healing practices. Um, I might do some dance. I also do high intensity interval training um, or Pilates or physical therapy. So I do whatever my body needs in terms of physical exercise, but I get a workout in as well as yoga. So I'll do yoga. And then sometimes my yoga can be my workout. If I do a vigorous practice, it'll be my workout. So it's just whatever I need each day. So then journaling too, like sometimes in there, and that might happen after my mantras, or it might happen after my meditation. There might be some journaling in there. And then sometimes I'll also do like a reading and it could be a tarot reading or it could be a reading of an inspirational book. Um, it could be, I have some books that have like, you know, daily things and I'll pull one open or, you know, so it's so, some, some wisdom or inspiration is something that I might include in my morning ritual. What else do I do? Oh, and then, I also usually do a morning tonic. So I have, I, I make a morning tonic beverage that I'll put in all the different, you know, herbs and mushrooms and things that I, I want. So it's like a, it's like a coffee and sometimes it has no coffee in it. And sometimes it has some coffee in it, but it also has herbs and mushrooms and things in it. So it's, it's my tonic. Like I use a bunch of different herbs. So um, I have a tonic beverage in the morning. Yeah. Oh, so do you have to make it right then and there? Do you usually make it the night before so that it's ready? It, it depends. So sometimes, so sometimes if I'm making like, I have a, I have my own unique blend of like uh, an alternative coffee that I make. So it's all herbs and that I actually simmer those. Sometimes I'll make those in advance. And if I'm making coffee, I make cold brew. And so that I will make in advance as well. I'll steep that. So those are two that I would probably have made in advance of like that part of it. But then I put it all together. Like, so whatever I've made, then I'm heating, I'm warming it up and then adding all the tonic herbs. I have my special cup and I have all, I add all my tonics, mushrooms in my tonics. 
and then I add the warm beverage to that and then some coconut milk I put in mine. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah. Ooh. So I make like so, a, a lemon balm and then what usually lemon balm because lemon balm is just a wonderful uplifting herb that I feel like we all need. It's also antiviral It's it, and it's very good for the nervous system. So you know, soothing our nerves, nourishing our nervous systems, I think it's really important. I put in a lot of different things. A lot of times I put in roses for the heart. I grow and wild craft a whole bunch of herbs. So I have a whole huge shelf of herbs to choose from. And so I make my, my, my pot of herbal tea for the day as well. Wow, that's inspirational. <laughs> I, I wish I had my my little pantry filled with different herbs and all of that. Maybe that that could be a dream one day I'll work towards. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I'll show you my, my, my apothecary and, and, and it'll inspire you and I'll, get, and I'll take you in the garden and we can harvest some things for you. Yes. That would be amazing. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> so I, I feel like I'm hearing based off of your morning ritual so far that, First, you get really centered and you tune in, you start to practice that deep state of listening. And then once you've cultivated that listening, you're able to be aware of like what your body actually needs. Because if you're just diving into it without being still first, you're just, you might choose something that your body is going to benefit from, but it may benefit from something else, like from choosing a different workout routine or, or something like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to to um, customize your morning ritual to what you're needing today. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, and taking upon a more feminine energy approach to it, and not saying, "Oh, it's it's got to be this, this, and this, and no other way." You know, having that flexibility in it can really help create. That, scent, that spark of excitement again, if you don't, I guess, do the same thing every day, then you can get bored with it. You can actually check out instead of check in. You know, even with a yoga practice, I, I think it's really important to, to be tuning in rather than checking out, like in just going on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah. it's something I work with with my students when, when we're practicing together is, you know, I invite them to be have a beginner's mind and to be curious to, to come to a, to the practice with curiosity and actually try like, cause I'll give specific nuanced instructions and guidance that they might discover something new. So I like to be in that place of discovery. So even yeah. though I've practiced yoga for how long? 40 years. Yeah. 40 years. I've been practicing yoga. Wow. Wow. It's incredible. I, I, still, I still come to the mat with a curiosity and a sense of discovery and I discover mm-hmm. new things all the time. So, yeah, that's amazing. So what about before we move on to evening rituals, I would love for you to share a bit more about your inner child healing that you do in the mornings. What exactly do you do during that time? That would be a a lot of different things, but I'm going to give you the basics and and it doesn't have to be long just to take a moment to get in touch with your inner child, you know, or in my case, my inner child, just to tune into her and, and see what, 
what she's wanting today. And in terms of healing, you know, one of the things it's like when, when I was doing this back, you know, when I was doing a lot of healing, it was just being present with my inner child and showing up and, and being present with her and being consistent with her. It's like, if you think of a child, a child, what a child needs is a consistently present, loving adult, right? That's really there for them. You know, and this is one of the reasons why children will get, you know, have a teddy bear or something. They're looking for consistently present love. And so they'll have a teddy bear or something that represents that for them. Because that's what we all want is we want loving attention on a consistent basis. You know, we want to know that we have that, that we matter, that we're special and someone to share our deepest feelings and desires with, you know, our, our dreams, our wishes. And yeah, it's like having that. And so basically doing that for ourselves, especially if we didn't have that as a child, it's a really healing practice. And so, yeah, so I, I guide my clients through this a lot. And so for me, that was, that's been my practice. And so now I have a very good relationship with my inner child and, and, and I'm present. It's like, we have, we have a tendency to like when we check out, we're aband- We're basically abandoning our inner child. Staying, staying connected with our inner child is a really uh, great thing. So just showing up, and it doesn't have to be long. It's just like, hey, how are you doing today? I always say it's like your body never lies, and also your inner child is going to have a lot of wisdom and guidance for you and will take you to help you make better choices. So if you check in with your inner child daily, your inner child will tell you like what you really need to be doing and what's really going to make you happy. It's really going to make you happy because what you know, a child, what do they want? They want love. They want connection. They want to be fully expressed. You know, the, the, the things that they want, they want to play. They want to explore they, the things that our inner child wants. It's like our inner child knows more than our adult does a lot of the time so if you really tune into children they really know my idea of raising a child is actually to just encourage them in their inner knowing in their in their true expression right telling them less and listening to them more yeah for them to be acknowledged and really seen and heard from you can really make them feel like they're held and they can fully express themselves without being judged and they can just be their true selves. And it's so funny that you say that because just right over here, I've got a poppet that I still like to, to use and, and right here too, I sleep with this little unicorn. Like I have to have something to like hold and squeeze. I, I still, even when I first bought it, I still felt really like strange, like those beliefs of like, oh, I'm an adult. I can't have a, a little teddy bear to sleep with at night or like a little stuffed animal to just hold. But it's so funny that it was just right there. And I was able to like, give an example. <laughs> give an example. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, hugs and being held, right? That's what we want. And so any way we can do that for ourselves uh, and to tune into that we're held by the mother earth. And it's such an important thing, asking for hugs giving hugs. You know, these are very important things. And so, yeah, I forget where I, I saw it somewhere. It's like 11 hugs a day. 
at least 11 hugs a day. And so, yeah, your inner child already knows that. Our adult sometimes forgets, but our inner child knows that hugs are really important. Yeah, and you can even give yourself a hug too, right? A little embrace. And I do. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Just even just that simple little moment of holding yourself can really be a powerful thing. And the first time I've done that, I I learned it through yoga. It was a yoga instructor, yoga with a a dream. She's a doll, a sweetheart. And she just told us to hug ourselves. And the first time she told me that, I was like, what are we doing here? And it just felt so awkward and just, just different, but a good kind of different. And I, I took that that practice with me for sure. So that's one practice I've learned. Yeah, that's so, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah, more hugs and love, more self-love, you know, really. We can talk kindly to ourselves. So when we're talking to a child, we, we're talking, we're speaking in encouraging words, right? And my inner self-talk is super encouraging. And it could be because I, I started this practice so long ago, right? And so when I talk to myself, I'm always like, well done, Tracy Sage. You know, it's like I talk to myself like that. <laughs> you can do it. You know, I'll, I'll say yeah. things like that, you know. Oh, there's something tender. Oh, sweetie. You know, it's like that's how I talk to myself. <laughs> I, I love everyone. it. I wish that for everyone because it's like I have a – I'm usually having fun and I have – not only am I having fun, but I also have love is present in my life at all times. I mean, the, the world can be so heavy in itself. And if you're fighting your own inner battles while also just being around all of the anxious stories that are around and ever present, it can be really hard to to come to that place of love. And you know, it really does start from yourself and giving yourself that love and nourishment. And it's amazing how fulfilling it is. We're taught to think that we need to get it from someone else and from outside ourselves. And yet if we're already fulfilled, if we're already loved, um, we actually receive love better from others. So I am very loved and adored by the people in my life, pretty much everywhere I go. I mean, it's, it's really wonderful. And the reason is because I'm already, I'm already in that energy field. Like I'm already, I'm very receptive to love because I'm constantly loving myself, right? So it makes me, and I have plenty to share, right? So I, I it's like that waterfall of love we talked about. It's like I'm overflowing with love. So everywhere I go, and guess what happens is I get it back too. I mean, people just love me up everywhere I go. I feel blessed in that way. Yeah, it really is life transforming when you take it upon yourself to give yourself that gift of love and compassion and understanding. So I would love for you to dive into your evening rituals. I know we spoke about a little bit about morning, your morning ritual. What do you do during that time in the evening when you're about to go to bed? I will. The first thing I want to start with is that in order to, to sleep well and to have a, a good evening ritual, I, I think ahead. And, and this is true in general. It's like, you know, I have, I made a commitment to myself when I was, I don't know, 20, maybe 
uh, that to do whatever it takes to feel fabulous every day, I do that. And and what that means sometimes is that I'm I'm preparing, like I'm doing things today because I know that it's going to contribute to me feeling fabulous tomorrow. So one of the things I've noticed is that having an early dinner time allows me to digest and to actually you know, get to bed earlier and sleep better. And then I can get up earlier and do my ritual, have time for my ritual and so on. Right. So, so I just wanted to say that because I think sometimes we, we need to think ahead, like how is this going to impact Mm -hmm. my later evening and how is this going to impact my day tomorrow? So I like to think ahead. And so I have an early Mm -hmm. dinner. That's my intention is to have an early dinner. And then so that I can have, a nice evening ritual. And so the evening ritual would be like a couple hours before I plan to go to bed to begin to wind down, to do things that are nurturing for myself. Again, so it might involve some yoga. It definitely involves getting off of my digital devices or at the very least, if I want to watch something inspiring I'm going to try to finish that an hour before bed and I will, mm-hmm. I will just the light, the blue light, you know, turn it to an evening mode. Right. So again, mm-hmm. just thinking in terms of that. So maybe I'll watch something inspiring or listen to something inspiring. So I don't actually have to watch it. I might do some yoga or give myself a, do a reading, a tarot or Oracle reading, might do some journaling uh, so it's it's a similar thing to the morning ritual, and it's more the close of the day. I, I love doing things like um, taking a moment to give thanks for the day. Mm-hmm. What are the blessings of this day? The other thing I often mm-hmm. do, both in, in evening and morning, when I need to, is forgiveness practice. I, I implement that. I, ha- I have a forgiveness practice anytime that there's anything going on with me. Like if I have any spinning in my head around an issue, an interpersonal issue, then I'm going to start up forgiveness practice again. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. having a forgiveness practice uh, before bed and in the morning, if you are having any interpersonal issues is a great, great one. Uh, I don't have any right now, so I'm not doing that practice. And anytime I do, I will, st- I'll start it up again. Forgiveness practice and gratitude practice are two of my most powerful practices. And so those are definitely ones that I would include in morning and evening rituals. Doing some visualization, visualizing Mm -hmm. um, anything that I'm focused on that I want to change in my life or anything that I'm wanting to create. I'll do some visualization before bed is a great time for that. So and that that I might do when I actually lie down in bed and I'll just lie there Mm -hmm. and visualize what it is that I want to create. Again, pranayama, breathing exercises, that's a good time to do that. Um, Yeah. So just really giving myself nurturing things to go to bed in in a really high vibration, in a very relaxed state. Oh, sometimes I give myself foot rubs. One thing I love to do before bed is do foot rubs. Sometimes I will also do facials in the evening, give myself a facial. So, so those are some, some of the things that I like to do. Well, both your morning ritual and evening rituals sound absolutely magical. 
and I'll definitely have to try some out and get, give some, some a try. I, I did have a question about the forgiveness practice. Is that something that you just have a conversation in your mind or do you do it through journaling? What does that look like? I have a very specific script, which I'm happy to share with you if you like. So the forgiveness practice that I, that I practice and that I teach is um, basically you start by forgiving yourself first, and then you forgive anyone else that you need to forgive. And what I find is that, you know, if, if there's one person that you need to forgive and you start doing that practice, especially if you haven't done this practice before, or you haven't done it much a lot other people might start to come in. So again, listening. And if it's somebody else comes up to in your mind, go ahead and forgive them too. So the script is like this, the, they're slightly different, the one for yourself and then the one for others. So the one for yourself is I'll do it from my perspective. So I, Tracy, forgive myself for any way I've hurt myself or, and then fill in the blank or anyone else. And I say that three, at least three times out loud or until I, I can, I really drop into forgiveness, right? And longer if I need to. And if there's some reason why I can't say it out loud, I just will say it silently. But mostly I'm, I'll speak it out loud. It's more powerful when we actually speak it. And if you can't speak it, it's better to do it silently than to not do it. And then this, then the second part of that, after I've forgiven myself, I think it's always important to do that. And this this script actually talks to all the different parts of you because sometimes different parts of you are having different feelings about it all. And so this actually addresses all of them. And so it's really important to do the whole script, even if you consciously aren't aware of needing to forgive that I do the whole script. So, and then this second part is forgiving anyone else. So, and it goes like this. So I, Tracy forgive fill in the blank for any way they've hurt me or themselves or anyone else. And then I say that again, three times out loud or until I, I drop into the, the, the forgiveness to into, and for some people, forgiveness is really hard. I actually am very natural at forgiving. I was forgiving my abuser when he was abusing me as a child. I was forgiving my mother when I was a child as she was, putting me in the situation with my abuser. I am very natural at forgiving. It's a very natural practice for me. For some people, you know, I've worked with a lot of people and for some people that they, they're like, no, I can't forgive. I don't want to forgive. If you have resistance to forgiving, I would say do the practice anyway. And what I like to remind people is that by forgiving, you're actually releasing yourself from the suffering of holding the grudge or holding, you know, holding on to this past that hurt you, holding on to the thing that hurt you. So you're actually, it's the best thing you can do for yourself. And it's not to say that what someone did was okay, right? It's not saying that, you know, it was okay for him to abuse me. As I forgive him, though, I release the suffering that I have associated with that abuse. So that's what forgiveness practice really releases kind of the thread of connection. I have no thread of connection with my abuser at this point. There's no thread. Like I don't need to forgive him anymore because there's, there's nothing like I, I, I feel completely free 
So it sets you free. So that's what I want to say about forgiveness practices. It will set you free. And so if you have resistance to it, do the practice anyway and do it with, and when I say drop in, it's like do it with intention. So when you're, when you drop into an intention to forgive, so you may not be at pure forgiveness yet. You're just in the intention of forgiving. You're in the intention of setting yourself free from it. You're in the intention of clearing that thread of connection, right? With the pain. That's amazing. And I didn't even realize you could do that for yourself in the morning or evening, because in the morning time, if you are holding on to those grudges or feelings of frustration, that's going to lead to your day. And then in the evening time, if you still feel like you're holding on to them, then it'll be a little more difficult to get to bed and to get a good night's sleep. So it really is important for your overall health and absolutely for your mind, body, and soul. If there's something that would keep a person awake, when people have trouble sleeping, I often check in to see, like, are you having conversations with someone in your head? That's usually the person you need to forgive. Wow. Wow. So if you feel, if you find yourself maybe even thinking about the past conversations you've had with them, or if you find yourself. These are the kinds of things that keep us awake. So whenever that happens for me and I'm like, oh, that's my flag. It's like, time to forgive. <laughs> oh. Add that into the morning ritual. Better, better start my forgiveness practice. So, you know, yeah, whenever we're, I call it head spinning. Like whenever we're head tripping about something, you know, we, or we've got a scenario going on in our heads, it, it's calling for our attention. And we want to do something other than spin it. That's just a hamster yeah. wheel that's just going to go on and on and on. So we've got to change the, the, we've got to shift it somehow. And forgiveness practice is a great way to shift that. I can even sense an energetic release from it as well. So that's really important to consider. And I would love for you to share more about your book, The Missing Manual to Love, Marriage, and Intimacy. Yay, I will. Thank you. Yeah, so I wrote it as the manual that we didn't get when we were born into these human lifetimes about how to love ourselves and how to have relationships. And I, I titled it that because I wanted people to get that right away. I wanted to just plant this seed. You didn't get the manual. So, and most of us did not have great role models, right? And we didn't get it in school. So how are we supposed to know how to do these relationships, right? And so that's yeah. why I wrote the book. And in that book, I definitely have put all the, well, maybe not all, but a, a lot of the practices and tools that I've learned, um, a lot of the practices and tools that I use in my own life and that I give to my clients and students are in the book. And it's a very, it's very practical and playful and it's a manual. The, the chapters are really fun. You know, so there's your first love is you, the chapter that you, you said you wanted to read. Um, your first love is you, which you would love that one. So one of the things I do in there, I talk about creating a safe haven. So, and we need to create a safe haven for ourselves. We need to create a safe haven in our relationship. We need to create safe haven for others 
as well. Like if you have a partner, you want to create safety for your partner so that your partner can be fully expressed and just can be who they are, right? So we want to create safety. I think it's really important that we create safety for ourselves. And so I, that's another practice that I have is a how to be a safe haven for yourself. So that's, a, that's another practice in the books. Anyway, it's filled with practices and tools. And at the end of every chapter, I have a section on actions to take. Um, so it's very much all about like implementing these things into your lives and your relationships. So actions to take, practices and tools to use, questions to ask. So I do a lot about with living in the question, like what else is possible or what's good about this that I'm not seeing, right? Uh, sometimes we can be focused on what's wrong and miss what the blessing is in a situation. So there's many questions and I, they're appropriate to the chapter, whatever the chapter was about, the questions will be related. And then there's a section for celebrations. I'm a huge fan of celebrating. And when we celebrate, when I added this, I add this, now I start all my client sessions with celebrations. So we start with a centering and then we go into celebrations and we celebrate the steps that we take, or we celebrate the shifts that we make, or we celebrate an awareness that we've had. It really anchors it. And it also, we want to feel good about doing it. And so it really adds that feel good element to our lives. It's like we can feel good about the, the actions that we take, right? And the practices that we use. So celebrations is at the end of every chapter as well. All the chapters in the book, except for the sex chapter, are meant to be applied to all your relationships. So it's not just, even though it's called the, the missing manual to love, marriage, and intimacy, in my world, intimacy is any close connection. And it can be a close connection with yourself. So the book is about all your relationships, including your relationship with yourself, as well as others, and as well as your partner, whether you're married or not. Yeah. So... But it definitely gives, you know, basically gives you the capacity to have a long-term, healthy, thriving relationship. Well, it just sounds absolutely amazing. And I'm definitely going to leave the link. Is there is there a link to go and purchase the book? Or yes. would they go find it in their local bookstores? Where can listeners go and pick this book up and read it? Probably the best place to go would be to my website. So that's tracysage.com. And there it's on multiple pages on my website. So you can definitely find it there. And it's T-R-A-C-I-E, sage, like the herb.com. So that's that's a, a really good place to, to find it. Yeah, I'll leave your website in the show notes. I think it shows up in the show notes. Either Either way, they'll be able to see it whenever they click on the episode and they can just click on it and it'll bring them straight to it. Oh, good. And good. And then I have two websites. So the other website is the, um, the yoga website. Mm -hmm. So for my yoga website there, and there's lots of resources there. I even have, I'm starting, I just started a resources page where I'm posting some of the herbs and mushrooms and things that I use. Like I make this green vitality juice. And so I, I, you know, I'm, I put up some juicers and, uh, and, and resources and recipes and things. So I'm creating this resources page. So yeah, so that's all on my wildspiryogainternational.com. Yeah. yeah. 
And then my retreat in Maui is also on there. So. Oh, that, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> you might want to come to my retreat. <laughs> so wait, is that an island in Hawaii? Am I correct? Yes. So I actually used to live in Hawaii, the island of Oahu. Okay. So I would be totally down to go back to Hawaii. I love Hawaii so oh, great. much. Well, this is my first time doing a retreat. I, I do retreats internationally. And this is my first, my students have wanted me to do one in Hawaii. And so this is my first one ever in Hawaii. And it's in Maui and it's in November. It's right after Thanksgiving. So it's going to be that weekend. And there's going to be Krishna Das, who is a really amazing uh, kirtan artist is playing on the Sunday night of my retreat. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your websites. I would love to know if there is any place that you would like to let listeners connect with you, either through your socials or whatnot. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So on uh, social media, I am, or on inter- Instagram, I am on Facebook and Instagram. So Instagram is my preferred place two Instagrams as well as two websites. So I have wild spirit yoga. I think it's wild spirit yoga international. So at wild spirit yoga international and at love catalyst. Okay. Wonderful. I'll make sure to include those as well so they can find you. And so my last question that I ask all of my guests is what does it mean to blissfully bloom? To me, it's, it's really about, the bliss that comes from being your fullest expression. And it's, it, you know, it's interesting because the, the first, the, the picture that I had in my mind and kind of the feeling I had in my body was actually being in my yoga practice. And that's how I feel when I'm in my yoga practice. Oh, wow, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for that reflection. And thank you for coming on the show today, Tracy. I had such a wonderful time with you and I hope to connect with you again soon. I just feel the vibes between us and I I just love, yeah, connecting with you. So thank you for coming. Likewise, dear. It's just been such a a lovely time with you. And yeah, I, I feel such a sweet connection with us and I'm sending you such a big, so much love and blessings. And so much love and blessings to all the listeners. Hugs to everyone. Hugs to all of you. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're all in this, we're all in this together. And it's really great to remember that and to just really share the share the love, share the blessings, share the journey, share the rituals, share the yoga. Hugs. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you. Oh, wow. I really enjoyed our conversation and I want to send my gratitude and love out to Tracy. I hope she knows how appreciative I I am of her. For her to take the time to share her passion around yoga and self-love and I am super excited to get my hands on her book. I'm going to be ordering it very soon and I cannot wait to read more about her inner wisdom and what she has to share. So make sure to grab your copy as well. And as always, I want to share my one key takeaway. And I think that is 
that yoga is around the loving awareness, right? Of you, you really coming into this space where judgment isn't present, where critical thoughts aren't present, and a space where you don't have to fight for your worth, right? Because when you have that deep inner knowing within yourself that you are full, you are whole, and you are enough as you are, that is yoga, that is self-love, that is nourishment and nourishment that you deserve. So it really is, whenever Tracy was describing it back, I've never actually thought of it in that way. And this really just made me rethink and reshift the way that I think about yoga. Because for so long, I think I held on to the idea that it was forming different poses and being really flexible, right? But it's not all about that. It's more developing a deeper relationship and cultivating a relationship of love and compassion with yourself. Because all relationships, right, that you take on and that you manifest into your life, the foundation of those relationships really starts with you, how you treat yourself, what words you allow in, what words you tell yourself, right? So I think this work is extremely important and it's going to take gentleness, it's going to take patience, and it's going to take a willingness on your part to give yourself grace throughout this journey because it's going to be hard sometimes, right? Sometimes you might find yourself on the mat and you may be more critical that day than most, but really just lean into the idea of allowing love to flow into your life and allowing love to flow into your heart and connect back and connect with your truth again and again and again. And I will see y'all in the next one. Bye.